Well, good morning, New City. Good morning, good morning. Happy Sunday, happy Labor Day weekend. I'm excited to see you guys. I'm excited to see you guys. As stated, I am Rodney Grant. I'm always very humbled and honored just to get the opportunity to speak God's word to God's people. And I'm also excited because the last time I got to speak to my New City family, it was three weeks before my wedding. Now, I can proudly say that tomorrow will be our one-month anniversary. My beautiful wife, Jacqueline, is right here. Can you wave your hand? Yeah. 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 I'm excited. So, you know, we're one month in, so we're kind of at that, you know, we're at that. I call it the, I call it the twinkle in your eye phase. That's, that's, that's kind of where we are. So, so pray for us. I told you guys that for two reasons. Uh, as a praise report, obviously, and as a, as a prayer request, because anybody who's married or been in a relationship at all, you know that marriage is difficult, right? So pray for us and feel free to give us some wisdom nuggets should God lead. Melanie and Lee have already uh, deposited some things into us, so we are grateful. Um, but, but I praise God for that. Uh, how many have been jo- enjoying our Scent series so far? Been enjoying our Scent series? I have. It's really been a, a, a kind of an eye-opening and rich uh, series for me. Um, we've been diving into the book of Acts and really getting into the expansion of the church and the spreading of the gospel of Christ. And over the last several weeks, uh, Pastor Chris Payne and some of our other pastors here have been really talking and diving into Paul's first and second missionary journeys. And so today we find ourselves now at Acts chapter 19 and Paul's third missionary journey, Paul's third missionary journey, which in fact actually began at the end of Acts chapter 18, right around verse number 23. And so now in Acts chapter 19, Paul is back in Ephesus. If you remember in uh, the latter part of 18, he was in Ephesus before. The scripture says, I believe it's uh, Acts uh, 18, verse 19 and 20. He was in in Ephesus rather before, and he was in the the synagogue reasoning with the Jews, the scripture says. And they say, hey, they they don't want him to leave. But he says, listen, I gotta keep the coming feast in Jerusalem, but God willing, I'll be back. And so that's where we find ourselves now in Acts chapter 19, verse number one. But we're going to kind of land our plane, if you will, right around Acts 19, verses 17 through 20. So I want to read that uh, for your hearing today. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, uh, but please follow along with me as I read. And it reads, this became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. And verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So I want you to focus on verse 17b that says, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And verse 20 that says, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So continuing in our Acts series, I want to focus on the subject or the title, Growing Pains. Growing Pains. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, we bless you. We honor you. We adore your holy and your righteous name. We thank you, Lord, for this day that we've never seen before and a day that we'll never see again. We ask that you help us to be the very best that we can be today, right now, in this moment. God, we pray that you'll give us ears to hear and hearts to receive, and then the discipline to apply your word, that we might leave this place differently than we came in. 
God, we pray that you would do whatever you got to do in this moment, but please get the glory in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, all God's children said amen, 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 and amen. You know, as I began to prepare uh, this message today, I began to reflect on uh, what I found to be a common theme amongst the various people that I have been privileged to deal with as both a minister and a life coach. And believe it or not, theme that I found is that the vast majority of us want to grow, but we don't want to change. We want to grow, but we don't want to change. Now, how many would agree that growth and advancement is often anything but convenient, right? It's anything but convenient. Now, we talk a lot in, in, in church and in Christian circles about the promises of God. We talk a lot about the promises of God. But here's what I found that we, we often fail to take into consideration, and that is preparation always precedes promise. Preparation always precedes promise, and that space in between is what we commonly refer to as a process. And I don't know about you, but, but any growth process that I've ever been a part of, I found that embedded into the framework of it is some sort of pain, some sort of discomfort, some sort of inconvenience, some sort of inconvenience. We can't get around it. We can't get around it. But we try to, right? We try to. Now, if anybody in here is like me, I, there's, there's a little bit of extra poundage that I'm carrying that I'm trying to get rid of, right? But you know how it is. We want a great body but we don't want to put the whopper down. We don't want to put the whopper down, right? Or, or maybe if that's not you, maybe uh, you're one of those of us who we want a great healthy relationship, but we don't want to deal with the immaturity that conflict often exposes, right? We don't want to deal with that. Or some of us, you know, we, we want to be wealthy if we're honest, right? We want to be wealthy, but we don't, want to, we don't necessarily want to work hard to get it. But what I'm here to tell you all today is that there's a price to pay for the growth that we seek. There's a price to pay for the growth that we seek. And, and for most of us, it's going to cost us friends. It's going to cost us time. And sometimes it even costs us money, right? But if we want to grow, if we want to be wise at all, we have to be willing to relinquish something. I love in Ecclesiastes uh, 1.18, Solomon says this. He says, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases in knowledge increases in sorrow. And a lot of times for us, sometimes it means the more we grow, the wiser we become, the more we recognize the foolishness around us. And so we've got to be careful to humble ourselves so God can continue to use us to speak life in those areas. So Paul's missionary journeys represent the growth and the advancement of God's kingdom. And whenever God's kingdom is advanced, it will always expose the people and things that are counterproductive to it. Whenever God's kingdom is advanced, it will always expose it. And we'll see that here. So from the onset, I want you to know three things. Uh, Paul's missionary journey represent, represented the continued advancement of God's kingdom. It was met with opposition. But in spite of that, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. It grew mightily and it prevailed in spite of the opposition. Now let's take a look. Here at Acts chapter 19, verse number one, because I want to show you today three things that this advancement of God's kingdom exposed in Ephesus, and I believe that it will expose the same things in you and I as well. Acts chapter 19, verse number one, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth 
that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I want you to, to pause for a minute, underline, highlight, or circle Holy Spirit. Because we're going to come back and get that at the end. That's an important piece. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. The men were about 12 in all. So the first thing I want to show you today that the advancement of God's kingdom exposed was it exposed understanding that was incomplete. It exposed understanding that was incomplete. Now, these men were disciples, but their understanding was still un incomplete. And I want you to know that as God's kingdom advances in my life and in your life, it's going to, it's going to expose understanding that is incomplete. It's going gonna, it's gonna to expose gaps in our understanding. And so for you and I, that means we have to be both teachable and humble. Both teachable and humble. You, you know how it is. Sometimes we got to let go of what we think we know in order to know what it is that we don't know, that we don't know that we don't know, right? That we don't know that we don't know. I heard someone say, as Christians, we have to divorce ourselves from the need for everything to make sense. You know, when we mature in God, we, we, we feel like we know God to some degree, which is, which is great. But sometimes, as a mentor told me, sometimes the things of the kingdom of God are upside down and backwards. Sometimes the things of the kingdom of God are upside down and backwards. So we have to learn to balance our growth and confidence in God with a childlike dependence on him. Because I've learned that God will always give us what's necessary for us as opposed to what's good to us. He'll always give us what's necessary over what's good. I remember uh, some years ago, I was pastoring a church in Waldorf, Maryland. I was praying about our anniversary service. And I was praying about, you know, God, how do we do this? You know, do I bring in a speaker? How do we, you know, how do we put this thing together? And I remember, like it was yesterday, the Lord said to me, I never told you to do that. Never told you to have an anniversary service. So he started dealing with me about how oftentimes as believers, we, we move in presumption a lot. And so he began to deal with my heart about that. And he said, what's necessary for this ministry now is not an anniversary service, but rather a healing service. And so, I ain't going to lie, y'all, that scared the mess out of me. I ain't never, a healing service. I had never, I had never orchestrated anything like that, but it allowed me uh, to depend on God on a level that I had never depended on God before. And not only that, it was what was necessary for the ministry as opposed to what I thought was good. Because people got, people got healed and it was miraculous and, and, and things happened because I allowed God to guide and orchestrate that event. Same thing for New City Church right now, right? We've been in a, in, in a season where we're, we're emerging and things are beginning to look different. And, and sometimes that can be uncomfortable for some of us, if we're honest, right? Sometimes that can be uncomfortable. And we don't always understand everything that's going on and everything is God, that God is doing. But for some reason, during this dispensation of time, this is how God is choosing to move through the part of his body that he calls New City. And so for some of us, it, 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 it takes us allowing God 
uh, that advancement in our life to expose gaps in our understanding that may be incomplete, may be incomplete. So the first thing that it exposed in Ephesus was gaps in their understanding or understanding that was incomplete. Let's look at verse number, number 11. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to both all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So I want to show you the second thing that uh, Paul's, the advancement of God's kingdom here in Ephesus exposed was it was exposed what was inauthentic. It exposed what was inauthentic. New City, I came to tell you the advancement of God's kingdom in your life and in my life will always expose the people around us and the places in us that are inauthentic. People around us and the places in us that are inauthentic. Because remember, they were trying to be like Paul. They were trying to do what they saw Paul do here. And oftentimes we operate the same way. We see somebody, we like what they're doing, we like how God is moving through them, and we try to be and do things exactly the way they do it. But know this, authenticity is often the breeding ground for authority. Authenticity is often the breeding ground for authority. Here's what I mean. God works best through those of us who choose to be naked and not ashamed before him. Those of us that choose to be vulnerable and transparent with him about who we are and where we are. Can't tell you how important this is. You remember in Genesis chapter 3 when after Adam and Eve had hid themselves after eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God asked Adam the question. He said, where are you? Where are you? Now, he's God, right? He wasn't talking about Adam's physical location. He was talking about the condition of Adam's heart. Where are you in here? Where are you in here? And I believe God asked us all the same question. Where are you? Because when we give God where we are, naked and out of shame, God can use that. God can, God can work through that. But notice that not being themselves here in the text cost them dearly. It cost them dearly. And it costs you and I. It costs you and I as well when we're not ourselves. I get it. It takes courage to be you in the world we live in. It takes courage to be ourselves. But I believe that who you are, as, as weird as you may be, I, listen, I believe that all of us have a little weirdo in us, right? In other words, here's what I mean. There are things about you, there are things about me that somebody else will consider weird or strange, right? But that's okay because what God is doing in you and through you is not only specific and unique, but it is necessary to the saving of somebody's soul. Somebody somewhere will be blessed by your testimony. 
In fact, Revelations 12, 11 says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the what? Word of their testimony, right? So your testimony is incredibly significant. Sometimes we don't like or don't agree with what we're going through. But I came to remind somebody today that there's a purpose to your pain. Don't devalue your story. So the first thing we saw that the advancement of God's kingdom exposed was understanding that was incomplete. The second thing that we saw was that it exposed what was inauthentic. Now let me show you one more thing that it exposed here in Ephesus chapter 19. Let's look at chapter 19. Let's start at verse number 23. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. And he called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout all, almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And verse 29 begins by saying, so the whole city was filled with confusion. The whole city was filled with confusion. So the third thing I want to show you today that the advancement of God's kingdom exposed was it exposed idols, traditions, and customs. Idols, traditions, and customs. Now, remember, Demetrius said, y'all know this is how we pay our rent, right? Y'all know this is how we feed our families. We can't continue to let this stuff go on. And it exposed this because it was advancing God's kingdom, so it had to deal with anything that was counterproductive to it. But now watch this. It does the same thing in my life and in your life. Whenever God's kingdom advances in our life, it will undoubtedly expose idols, traditions, and customs. For some of us, it's a show. You know that show that you got to watch every week that you DVR so you make sure you don't miss it? For some of us, we've made idols out of, out of a show. For some of us, our spouse is our idol. For others of us, our job is our idol. Sometimes we have traditions that we hold dear, customs that we hold dear. New City, please hear me. Please hear me. I'm certainly not saying that you can't love a show, you can't love your spouse, and you can't love your job. But what I am suggesting is that we take a hard look at where God falls on our list of priorities. That's what I'm suggesting. Because just like it exposed it in Ephesus, it would, if, if you endeavor to grow, as the folks that are more senior say, just keep living. If you endeavor to grow, it will undoubtedly expose idols, traditions, and customs. So the advancement of the kingdom of God exposed incomplete understanding. It exposed what was inauthentic, and it exposed idols, traditions, and customs, all of which represented opposition that was counterproductive to its advancement. However, in spite of it, verse 17b says that the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Verse 20 says that the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. 
And so now as I, as I, as I wrestled with this, I, 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 I started to ask the question, how was Paul able to do this? How was he able to, to advance the kingdom or grow in spite of the opposition and the pain, in spite of that? Now, here's a reminder. Paul was human just like you and I. So I can imagine that he went through all kinds of emotions and stress and, and all of these things as a result of what he went through. But I questioned, I said, how was he able to do that? How do you and I do it? And I believe that the answer is in the question that Paul asked in verse number two. I mean, I had you to underline and highlight and, 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 and circle Holy Spirit. I believe that the key is in that. Acts 19, 21 refers to Paul as being purposed in the spirit, purpose in the spirit. Acts chapter 16 refers to the strategic guidance of the Holy Spirit. Y'all remember uh, when Pastor Chris talked about uh, in, the, in the sermon, no, no, wait, go? Y'all remember that? that? That message just spoke to me like no other. But if you remember, they, were, they had purpose to go to Ephesus before. They were going to go to Ephesus before, but the Holy Spirit said, not yet. So they were strategically guided. Uh, in fact, the Holy Spirit is referenced 55 times in the book of Acts. Just in the book of Acts, 55 times. 55 times. Uh, every believer should live a life whereby we are guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John 16, 13. He said that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. Lead and guide us into all truth. Paul Paul challenged the Ephesians in, in Ephesians 4.30, he, he instructed them rather to grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. And I believe that being led by the Holy Spirit really comes down to this. Pastor Chris said this two weeks ago, referring to Paul and his team. He said that they exercised an absolute trust in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They exercised an absolute trust in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So now for me, this, this is what that means for me. Like you, you, ever, been, you ever been sick and you, 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 you looked at uh, a medicine bottle or you want to give it to your, your child and you turn it over and you looked at what the active ingredient was? Looked at what the active ingredient was? For me, trust is the active ingredient in our faith, right? Because belief is one thing, right? And belief is good. That's where it starts. But the scripture says that even the demons believe and tremble, right? So belief is, is one thing, but trust is the demonstration, because I can believe, I can believe that this pew will hold my weight all day. But if I never actually sit in the pew as a demonstration of my trust, how good is my belief, right? How good is my belief? I believe that the goal of growth and the purpose of pain for us as believers is so that the kingdom of God can be advanced in our lives. The kingdom of God can be advanced. Uh, I love what James says, in, in chapter 1, verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He said, let, let it, let patience have its perfect work. I remember years ago, um, I, I struggled with with how to deal with people as a minister, right? If, if, if I was in a space where if I, was a have, if I was having a bad day, you knew. If I was having a bad day, you knew. It, just, it, it wasn't a great place, but it was where I was. And I remember, I remember uh, my pastor at the time telling me, he said, son, your response is your responsibility. 
Your response is your responsibility. In other words, it's not about what happens to you, but how you respond is what you can control. And so when I think about letting patience have its perfect work, I think about the responsibility that I have in order for that to happen. You know, we talk about the scripture all the time that says uh, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But it also says according to the power that worketh within right here, right? So, so God is willing, but whether the execution of that ability, his ability is experienced by you and I is largely up to us. Now, I'm grateful that God moves in spite of us before his namesake, right? But if you and I are going to ever grow through the pain, we have to sometimes just let the process be the process and allow ourselves to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Here's one thing I've learned about opposition. The greatest enemy to the advancement of God's kingdom in my life and your life is that person you see when you look in the mirror every morning. The greatest opposition to God's advancement of his kingdom in your life and my life is the person we see when we look in the mirror every morning. I love this C.S. Lewis quote. It says, hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. Hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. I get it, it's uncomfortable, it's painful. We don't want to do it, we don't want to go. But we do want to grow, right? We do want to be used mightily by God. We do want to be instruments for his glory. No doubt that you and I have been called to do a mighty work for God's kingdom. Now it's up to you and I to commit to the trusting, to trusting in the guidance of the Holy Spirit to usher us through to the completion of the work that we've been called to do. Can I pray for you? Father God, we bless you. We honor you and we adore you. Because in spite of us, before your namesake, you continue to reach down and grab us right where we are. You continue to love us when we're acting in ways that are unlovable. God, we're so grateful for you today. We thank you that you call us to do a mighty work for your kingdom. Now we pray that you would help us to continue to be led and guided, guided by your Holy Spirit, that we might continue to move in spite of the opposition, in spite of the pain. And God, we commit today to use that pain and that discomfort as an opportunity to fall at your feet, to trust in you at a deeper level. I thank you for every calling that you have on the lives of your people in here today. And I pray that you would continue to give us eyes to see and ears to hear that your glory might be revealed in and through us. We give you praise for it now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen.